0: Mark 6, this series, we've ent- I've entitled Counseling Classics. It's just um, some truths, some principles, some messages that over the course of counseling different people in different seasons, at different times, over different things, have been some recurring uh, truths that that I've tried to give people that I think have been a help to them. And so, week one, uh, this and this series has been a little disjointed with different with different church events and different things. But week one was how to get to chapter forty two when you're walking through what seems like the lowest point of your life. And I actually had somebody email me that that uh, from the east coast that watched that message and said God really used it for me. And, and with what we're walking through and some things that I had I was struggling with, but. But I've used that story of Job in counseling often. When you're in Job 1 or 2, or chapter 1, or chapter 2, or chapter 12, or 15, or 20, it feels hopeless. It feels like, is there ever any end to this? And, and that message is about the fact that often God has a Job chapter 42 on the other side that we're in the middle of it. We could never imagine how that God could work all of this together for good. But God can and often does do those things, and uh, sometimes the good that He works it together doesn't always look like what we thought it might look like, but the Bible does promise us that He will work all things together for good. And uh, if you remember the last time, the last message in this series, a few weeks ago on Sunday night, I preached a good Christian needs a, anybody remember, or what kind of memory? A bad memory, the Apostle Paul, forgetting those things which are behind. And, and I told you that we have to, uh, as we studied different writings of Paul and things that he said, we have to forget past failures because they lead to condemnation. Paul, Paul said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away, old all things are become new. And, and we can, David said, he said, my sin is ever before me, and, and this, it can lead us to condemnation. And we said, forget past failures. Then I also said we have to forget past successes. They lead to complacency. Paul said it this way. He said, i have not apprehended. I haven't already attained. But this one thing I do, I press. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul said, I'm not living on yesterday's victories. I'm not living on yesterday's manna. Now, we rejoice in past victories, but we don't revel in them. They lead to complacency. And then we saw we need to forget past hurts that will cause bitterness it will cause us to close up. And well, I'm never going to serve God again, I tried serving him and somebody hurt me. I'm never going to love people again. I loved people. And Paul said, he said, i become your enemy because I tell you the truth. People that I invested in and I loved, they turned their backs on me. They turned on me. They, they hurt me. They, 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 they mischaracterized me. And you know what Paul said? He said, I don't know what's coming in the future other than I'm going to get hurt. And what did he say in Acts 20, 24? But none of these things move me. What None of the hurts I've received and other hurts, but neither kind of my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy. You can live dwelling on past hurts, or you can live focused on future glories. You can't do both. And we saw that a good Christian needs a bad memory. You've got to learn to forget past failures, past successes and past hurts. I'm going to go ahead and contradict myself tonight. I'm going to preach a message that's exactly the opposite of what I preached a couple of Sunday nights ago. Tonight's message is this. A good Christian needs a good memory. A good Christian needs a good memory. Some of you, you you didn't remember anything that I preached the last time and you thought you were a good Christian. Now you've got to remember this one, all right? A good Christian needs a good memory. I want you to see a famous story in Mark chapter number six, verse number 41. Mark six, verse number 41 the Bible says, And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes d- divided he among them all. And they did all eat and were filled, and they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments and of, of the fishes, and they that did eat of the loaves were about how many men, church? About how many? About how many? When I read the Bible, what I try to do is put myself, try not to just read it as words on a page. Try to put myself in there. And, and see that. During COVID, I mentioned to you the, uh, the, uh, the, the, that TV show, The Chosen, where they went through and told different stories of Christ's life. One thing I love about it is that it, it caused me mentally to sit in those stories, and it caused me to go back and kind of read them again and think about them and, and really think about that. And, and uh, uh, the, the, the feeding of the 5,000, they're actually filming that for the next season. They're going to be filming that uh, feeding of the 5,000 scene. And, and just stop and think we call it the feeding of the five thousand. It was five thousand men, very likely ten or fifteen thousand or more people were fed with. What did it say there in verse number uh, verse number forty one? How many loaves and how many fishes? And they put, took up twelve baskets full of doggy bags to take home. And you stop and think about that. What if you were one of the disciples there, Keith? You help distribute the communion for our church every time we have we, we, we celebrate communion. And and what if you were there, and one of the disciples, and Jesus gave you and said, alright, let's bless and break, and started breaking the loaves, and breaking the fishes, and take that out, and then you took your tray, or your basket, or whatever it was, and you handed out food, and you came back, and wow, there's still food, and you went, and you did, it takes a while, Naphtali, you've, you've fed a few hundred folks a few times in our church here, it takes a while to feed 10 or 15 thousand people, I'd imagine, I don't, don't know if you've ever cooked for 15 thousand people, that's a, a lot of folks, and so you, that's going to take a while, probably for 12, 12 waiters to get to Ten or 15,000 people, and, and think about what must have been going through their minds. Don't just, oh, that's three verses. Think about the story. And they're going, and people are in the back like, man, give me that, I'm hungry, before the food runs out, and hey, we're over here, we didn't get any in their past. And it said they all ate till they were full. It was an all-you-can-eat buffet, the original Korean barbecue, am I right? First time Sammy said amen tonight right there was on Korean barbecue. And, and all the food, and, and passing all that out. And I don't know how long that took, but it, like I said, it takes a while for a dozen or so people to get 15,000 people fed. And just, they, I, I have to imagine, they must be thinking, he's amazing. What? He can do that with five loaves and two fishes. That's incredible. What a God we serve. He can take something so little and do something so amazing with it. Now, look at the next two words of verse number 45. The next two words after that story, would you read those two words aloud of the first two words of verse 45? Ready, begin and and straightway immediately after what we're about to read is right after they picked up the doggy bags Right after they got the leftovers, right after they just saw Jesus feed 10, 15, 20,000 people with five loaves and two fishes, and straightway, now here's the next story, and straightway, he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and go to the other side, the Besida while he sent away the people, and when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when he even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. So this is the night that he, they just watched him provide for unbelievably for thousands of people. He's on land praying, the disciples are in the, sh- in the ship, and he's there, and it says um, in verse number 40, 48, and he saw them toiling and rowing. By the way, I, I, I wrote something in my Bible here that says God sees when we're toiling, when we're, we feel like we're giving our best and it's not getting us anywhere, God does see. He saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them, and about the fourth watch of the night he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, and cried out. For they all saw him, and were troubled, and immediately he talked with them, and saith unto them," what did he say to them, church? Be of what? Be of why? Why are you stressed out? Why are you troubled? Be of good cheer. It is I be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship and the wind ceased and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered. Here's the idea. In the midst of their trial, number one, they they weren't expecting Jesus to come into it. They thought it was a spirit and their immediate, their immediate response was fear. Jesus said, why are you scared? It's me. I care about where you're at. I know where you're at. I know the storms you're going through. I care. And then he stopped it. And it was this idea. They were so amazed and wondered. It's the idea of, that's not possible. How could it be? How could he do that? Notice what it says. Would you read verse 52 aloud with me? 52, ready? Begin. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. A trial just a few hours later, they didn't. They, they were shocked that God could come through for them. Really, the idea here is they doubted that he had the strength to do it because they considered not the miracle of the loaves. What's, what's, what's he telling us here? He's telling us they had a bad memory. They didn't remember what Jesus had just done. And so because of that, they didn't remember how he had come through just a few hours ago. So because of that, they didn't think he could come through right then. And isn't that how we are so often? We get into today's trial and we don't consider the miracle of the loaves. We don't consider the ways that God has come through for us in times past. I want to give us three simple thoughts here. The idea of a good Christian needs a good memory. What does a good memory of of God's strength in our lives, what does it do for us? Number one, I would suggest to you this, a good memory keeps our hearts tender. What did it say in the last part of verse number 52? It said, for their heart was hardened. They were cynical. They were doubting Christians. We we don't believe this is it. This is the end of it. We're going to die. It's all over. This is the storm that's going to take us down. And now we see somebody coming here, and it's not in faith believing that's God coming to save us. That's a spirit coming to hurt us. And we're all troubled. Why? Their hearts were hardened to the daily provision, to the daily miracle that God had blessed them with. And may I just say that sometimes our hearts grow hard to the daily benefits that God loads us with. That's what happened to the children of Israel when they began to complain about manna. But when we remember who he is and what he's done, where he's brought us from, it keeps our hearts tender. It keeps our hearts believing. It keeps our hearts looking for Christ, not looking for the boogeyman walking on the water, if you will. It keeps our hearts looking with faith-filled eyes that, that God knows, and He sees, and He's there for me in this trial. It's so easy to get used to God's miraculous blessings, isn't it? Think about the things that we fail to consider on a daily basis. God has given you life. Your heart is beating. Your, 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 your lungs are breathing. Your liver is filtering. Your eyes are seeing. Your nose is, is, nose is smelling. Your ears are hearing. Your kidneys are... Our kidneying, whatever kidneys do, they're doing it right now. And, and the, the miracle of life, that what is happening in our bodies on a daily basis, without us ever thinking about it, but when was the last time we woke up? and you know you know, when we normally wake up and thank God for the miracle of life, when we or someone close to us is struggling with their health in deep ways. But until those moments It's often that we fail to consider the miracle of life, don't we? We fail to consider the miracle of the loaves. When we fail, God God has given you life, God has given you provision. You had food to eat today and clothes to wear, a place to sleep, transportation to get you to church, and it happens. We've had it every day for weeks and months and years and decades, and probably every one of us. Now, it doesn't mean we haven't walked through some tough trials, but every one of us, if we're here today, we've had food to eat on a regular basis since the day that we were born. And we've had clothes to wear on a regular basis since the day that we were born. We've had all of this miracle of provision, and and we become like the children of Israel that said, what what have you given us, God, beside this manna? All you have done is supernaturally provide for us every single day of our lives, and that's not enough for us. And we do the same thing. We fail to consider the miracle of His provision throughout our lives. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse number 32, this idea of a good memory keeps our hearts tender. What does Paul say to the church at Ephesus? He says, And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another. And what's the last phrase there? Even as God for Christ's sake hath what? Forgiven you. What does he say? When you remember what God has forgiven you, you can forgive them. When you remember the grace God has shown you, you can show grace to that one that has hurt you. When you remember the way that God has been long-suffering to you, you can be long-suffering to that person in your life, and those who display and offer the most grace to others in their lives are often those who realize, realize how much grace they've received. A good memory keeps our hearts tender. He's giving you a church to call home. Do you Do you fail to consider the miracle of that? He's given you a Bible to guide you in your language, a complete copy of God's word. Do you fail to consider that miracle? He's given you his only begotten son to die for your sins, taking your payment upon himself. He's given his spirit to live inside of you, to comfort and convict and challenge you. We consider not the miracles. If we're not careful, like the disciples, we don't consider the miracles that are around us on a daily basis and our hearts get hardened. And we don't believe whatever we're facing today that God can come through today because we fail. It's what happened to them. They're in the boat. We're not talking about months later, Steve. We're talking about hours later. Hours later, thousands were fed with five loaves and two fishes. Hours later. And the next trial they faced, God forgot us. Their hearts were hardened because they forgot how He had just come through a few hours before. Have you been there? Has that been you and has that been me? Of course it has. God is so good to us day in and day out that we fail to recognize his blessings and his benefits and our hearts are hardened. I want to challenge you. Take time this week to consider his goodness in your life. To consider the gift of salvation. The psalmist said, restore unto me the joy. What does that mean? We can forget and lose the joy of his salvation to us. But a good memory keeps our hearts tender. Consider the gift of salvation. Consider the miracle of life. Consider the gift of provision. Consider the gift of God's word in your, in your mother tongue, in your language, in, in a complete copy. There are many, many languages around the world that do not have a complete copy of Scripture in their language. And you and I, we have a plethora, probably in our homes, we have five, ten Bibles to, to each person in our home. Don't fail to forget the miracle that that is, that God would give that to us. Number two, number two, a good memory reminds us that God is still able. A good memory keeps our hearts tender. A good memory reminds us that God is still able. Turn to Mark 8. Turn two chapters over, if you will. The disciples encouraged me because they were really dumb sometimes like me. I want you to see it here. So now we're, we're maybe uh, weeks or months away from the 5,000 being fed. We're not that far away. They've seen the 5,000. They've seen him calm the storm on the seas. He's quieted the storm. They've seen him heal people. They've seen all kinds of miracles. And I want you to see this. This is interesting. Chapter 8, verse number 6. Mark 8, verse number 6. And he commanded the people to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves. Okay, we've got seven loaves now. And gave thanks and break them and gave his disciples to set before them. And they did set them before the people. And they had a few small fishes and he blessed and commanded to set them also before them. So they did eat and were filled. All you can eat buffet again. And they took up of the broken meat that was left seven baskets this time. And they that had eaten were about how many? About how many? 4,000. This is a different story. Different place. Same unbelievable miracle. It's kind of like probably they're thinking, wow, okay. And I remember this, maybe they're talking, I, I would think, I remember this last time this happened, and remember we got into a trouble on the, on the boat, and we, we failed, and we doubted him. Hey, guys, let's not th- let that happen again. They're not, surely, surely, they're not going to let that happen again. I want you to see it. Look at verse number 10. Verse number 10, what are the first two words? Verse number 10, ready? Begin. Feels like I'm in a rerun here. And straightway right after the feeding of the 4,000, and straightway he entered into a ship with his disciples and came into the parts of Dalmanutha. And the Pharisees came forth and began to question with him, seeking of him a sign from heaven, tempting him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit and saith, why doth this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, there shall no sign be given unto this generation. And he left them, and entering into the ship, again departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread, neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. Whoever was in charge of, of, whoever was the chef of the disciples, whoever was in charge of the groceries, whoever's job it was to make sure they had food to eat, he, he was probably tired from feeding 4,000 people, and he forgot. They had, they had one loaf. And I don't know about you, but if you're with 12 or 11 of your closest friends, one loaf of bread isn't going to be enough. So they come on, and they didn't have more than one loaf. And it says here, and he charged them saying, here's, Jesus gets on the boat. He's just dealt with the Pharisees. He's thinking about eternal things. He's thinking about, uh, he's thinking about this generation that doesn't want to trust him with faith. They want to see a sign. They have no faith. He comes and he says, he charged them saying, take heed. Hey guys, listen up. You guys got to be careful. You're going to deal with these guys like I do. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the leaven of Herod. Be careful, guys, of that wrong thinking that has crept in and Infiltrated That leaven, a small thing that has infiltrated an entire group of people, be careful of that leaven. Now look what happens in, in verse number 16. And they, Jesus speaking very eternally, very spiritually minded, and they reasoned among themselves saying, it's because we have no bread. He knows. He knows we forgot lunch. Because Jesus speaks using the analogy illustration of leaven. Jesus is talking about great spiritual matters. And one of them, he says, hey, guys, be careful of leaven of the Pharisees. Be careful of the leaven of Herod. And they're like, who told him? Who told him we forgot the bread? He knows. He knows we don't have the food. Hey, guys, we're not going to—it's not going to happen. We're, we're going we're to starve to death. This is it. This is right after the feeding of the 4,000. Look at what it says in verse 17. And when Jesus knew it, he saith unto them, why? reason ye. Why are you thinking about this stuff? Why are you worried about this? Why reason ye because you have no bread? Perceive you not yet, neither understand. Have ye your hearts yet hardened? Guys, what is it going to take? Are you still doubting me? Do you still not understand who I am? Is your heart still that hard? After all you've seen, look at verse number 18, having eyes, see ye not. Guys, how hard-headed are you? Having ears, hear ye not. And here's what he Says, and do ye not what, church? Do you not remember? You're worried about dinner. You're worried about what we're going to eat tonight when I just fed 4,000 people with a few loaves and a few fishes. And this is what you're—guys, how hard-hearted, how hard-headed, how much can, do you not remember? They were worried about that night's meal because they did not remember. Jesus said, you need to remember what I've done because remembering what I've done yesterday will remind you that I'm still able today. Why do you still think, I can't work? We doubt that God can feed 13 of us with one loaf right after we have seen him feed 4,000 of us with seven loaves. Why? You doubt whatever it is you're walking through. God's forgotten me this time. This one's too big for him. He doesn't know where I'm at now. I can't get through this one. Think about that. They doubted that God could feed 13 of them with one loaf after they just watched him feed just and straightway, just watched him feed 4,000 with seven loaves. Why? And here's what he said, because you don't remember. Before it said, they failed to consider the miracle of the loaves. They don't stop to remember who God is and what he's done. And so it causes them to doubt who he is and what he can do. The songwriter said it this way, roll back the curtain of memory now and then. Show me where you brought me from and where I could have been. Remember, I'm human and humans forget. So remind me, remind me, dear Lord. A good memory of yesterday reminds us that God is still able today. I love sports, and I grew up a big Michael Jordan fan. I grew up a 49ers fan, watching Joe Montana and Steve Young. And, you know, I can't can't remember how many times I watched a Michael Jordan or a Joe Montana come through at the last second and come through with a game-winning drive and in the fourth quarter drive all and you're down by as long as you're within one score as a 49ers fan in those days you believed that it and and I remember watching there were times where I would watch and instead of being scared about how the game was going to end I was excited to see how Joe Montana was going to come through and we were going to win the game why? Because I had remembered what he had done in the past and it gave me, for lack of a better word, faith that he was going to come through again today. Well, how much more and how much of a larger, grander scale knowing who God has been and what he's done for us in the past when we're faced, we're down in the fourth quarter a little bit in our lives. How much more, instead of being scared how the game might end, we should be, we should be excited to see how God is going to show himself strong once again in today's trial. And in today's challenge, and in today's difficulty, we're so much like the children of Israel sometimes, aren't we? They saw the ten plagues, the lice, the frogs, the water to blood, the boils, the hail, the locusts, the, they saw the death of the firstborn, they, they, they saw all of that, and what did they do? They left Egypt rejoicing, came to the Red Sea. You forgot us, God. You're going to kill us out here because there weren't enough big enough cemeteries in Egypt, And then God opens up the Red Sea, and they walk over on dry ground, and they get to the other side. God is so good. Moses, you're the man. Long live Moses. Let's go vote him back in. He's the best. God, you're the best. You're amazing. And then what happens? They open the fridge. There's no food to eat. We're dead. God can't come through now. We just walked across the Red Sea on dry ground, but God can't give us lunch today. And then what happens, manna comes down, and we open up, walk out, and there's free groceries. My wife just said today, man, groceries just keep getting more and more expensive. Wouldn't it be nice if you opened up your door and there are free groceries every morning you could bring in, put in the fridge, and feed your family that day? And, And they walk out, and there's free groceries, and then what happened? They get a little thirsty. We're dead. And what happened, God said, oh, here's a rock. Water doesn't normally come from a rock, but just to show you that I love you, I'm going to go ahead and feed a million plus, a couple million of you, out of a rock. Wow, God, you're amazing. This is wonderful. And, and, and you, you've provided for us in water from the rock. And then they send 10 spies to Canaan, and what do they say? Can't do it. No, if we go in there, we're dead. Over and over and over again, God shows himself strong. We praise him. A new trial comes. We forget. We doubt him. We think that he can't come through this time. His arm is shortened. His hand is, is weakened. We're exactly the same way. In the Old Testament, they would build altars in their lives to remind them of the miraculous works that God had done before. But the children of Israel, they continually forgot what God had done, and it caused them to doubt what he could do. Let me say that again. They continually forgot what God had done. And so it caused them to forget or to doubt what he could do. A good memory, a good memory reminds us that God is still able. We need to build some altars, some signposts, some memory markers that we can look back on and remind us that God is able. It doesn't mean you won't come to a Red Sea. But when you come to a Red Sea, don't forget the 10 plagues. And it doesn't mean that you won't come to a time of, of need and not having a provision that you need, when you come to that time of need, don't forget the crossing of the dry ground over the Red Sea. And it doesn't mean there won't come a time where you're a little thirsty, but when you're a little thirsty, don't forget. The, the manna that he provided for you every day. and It doesn't mean that there won't be some big enemies in your life to, to conquer and to step out by faith. It's going to be tough. But when he calls you to go into Canaan, don't forget the water from the rock. It doesn't mean that you're not going to find yourself on the Sea of Galilee with the storms raging high, and you're toiling all night and rowing. You're given, you're spent, you're exhausted, you're scared. You've given everything you have, every ounce of energy you have, and it's, and all hope seems lost. But when you find yourself there, don't forget to consume. Consider the miracle of the loaves a good memory reminds us that God is still able and then lastly a good memory of yesterday lightens the burdens of today a good memory of yesterday lightens the burdens of today it's so easy to only focus on the trouble that is right in front of us isn't it completely forgetting all that he's done in the past But if we'll remember yesterday's manna, yesterday's deliverance, yesterday's miracles, it will bring today's trials into perspective. A good memory of yesterday lightens the burdens of today. Why were they worried about the waves on the sea? Because they didn't think about what God had just done a few hours earlier. Too often, church family, when faced with today's need, we forget yesterday's provision. When faced with today's fear, we forget yesterday's protection. When faced with today's unknown, we forget yesterday's providential leading. When when faced with today's loneliness, we forget yesterday's presence of God. When faced with today's shortfall, we forget yesterday's overflow. When faced with today's uproar, we forget yesterday's peace. When faced with today's doubt, we forget yesterday's faith. When faced with today's hurt, we forget yesterday's healing. When faced with today's disappointment, we forget yesterday's blessing. When faced with today's enemy, we forget yesterday's victory. When faced with today's heartbreak, we forget yesterday's comfort. We're so prone to do it, aren't we? And straightway. And it wasn't just once. Feeding of the 5,000 and straightway. Feeding of the 4,000 and straightway as soon as they had seen what we would call one of the most amazing miracles in the history of the world, straightway they forgot. By the way, one of the greatest miracles in the history of the world is the fact that God would save your soul and mine. And yet, and straightway. Oh yeah, he can do all of that, but he can't meet my needs today. He can't come through for me today. I doubt what he can do for me today and tomorrow. He he may be, he may be, He's maybe forgotten me this time. Spurgeon said, we're prone to engrave our trials in marble and write our blessings in sand. That's why I preached a good Christian needs a bad memory. We need to forget some of those trials of the past, but we need to remember the blessings and the provisions. We, we, what we do is we remember how people have hurt us, but we forget how God has healed us. What we need to do is remember how God has healed us and forget how people have hurt us. We remember the times when our lives took a detour we didn't want or expect, but we forget the guiding hand of our Savior who was there all along. A good memory, a good Christian needs a good memory. A good memory keeps our hearts tender. You ever pull out an old photo album? Kids, you know what a photo album is? It's a book. You print, you print things off of your phone, and, and it turns into this thing. It's called a picture. And you put it in a book, and you pull it out, and you look at it, all right? Now you can just pull out your hard drive, I guess. You ever pull out an old hard drive and go through photos? And you ever pull out an old photo album? And you know what happens? You have pictures of loved ones, and, and pictures of events, and gatherings, and maybe a celebration and a holiday, or maybe a trip. And you know what happens a lot of times when, for me at least, when I pull those out? I'll say, oh man. Oh man. I forgot about that. I forgot we went there. I forgot we did that. I forgot. Oh, that was—and what happens? We start to talk. That was such a wonderful time. And what does it do? It softens our heart. It causes us to love and appreciate those who were a part of those times in our lives. This week, while I was out of town, my wife sent our, our family thread a picture. She said, look what I found. And one of the things she pulled out, she said she was cleaning through some things in the garage. She said, I found in this bin, found this binder. It's the Thompson train 2009 road trip. And her brother was getting married in Iowa. We, we made our family vacation that year, used all of our vacation time, and we took a 19 day road trip, drove about 6,000 miles. I looked at the date and I said, that means our kids were two, four, and six. What kind of a crazy person were, was I? We took a two, four, and six-year-old on a sixth, and we had a blast, by the way. I have no idea how we did it. We didn't let them watch uh, movies the whole time. They, They got to watch one movie each day, and I was looking at our itinerary. We were driving like 10 to 12 hours a day. Like, what were we thinking? We were idiots. But... But she pulled this out, and she said, our two, four, and 6 we drove, and we drove down. We drove the first night. We drove all through the night to the Grand Canyon, and for the first time in my life, we got to see the Grand Canyon. Then we got breakfast, and we continued driving to Sedona, and we stayed the night there and saw the Red Rocks, and then we went over to New Mexico, Alamo Gordo, New Mexico, and we, we got some sl- uh, tubes and sleds and sled down the sand dunes in New Mexico, and then one of the biggest thunderstorms of our lives hit us there, and then we drove from New Mexico into Grapevine, Texas, and we stayed at the Great Wolf Lodge there, and then drove up, I think, to wherever Branson, Missouri. Is that where Dollywood is? And Silver Dollar City, wherever that is. And we drove there. And then we drove to Iowa for the wedding. And then we stayed on a farm in, I think that was in Iowa or another state. I don't remember. And then we drove up to Mount Rushmore and and, and South Dakota and saw some of that. And then drove into Utah and then drove back to Northern California all in 19 days, including seeing some family with two, four, and six-year-olds. And I looked at it. I said, I told the kids today, I said, if I did, if I planned this trip today we'd be taking four or five weeks. There's no way we'd Doing that in 19 days. But you know what happened when she pulled this out? I started looking through and I was like, and, and here's the whole itinerary, and every day, I'm a little, I'm a little OCD, a little type A. Every day, what time we're leaving and how many miles, 223 miles to Rockford, and that's gonna take us 3.75 hours, and what's what it's gonna be, and, and all the maps and all the reservations and all these things. And you know what her finding this binder, you know what it did? It caused me to remember some things about that trip I had forgotten and it caused me to appreciate my family a little more and to remember some of those fun times, those fun memories. What did it do? It brought my heart closer to my loved ones when I remembered some things we had been through together. You know what happened with the disciples? Their heart was hardened because they considered not the miracle of the loaves. And then they got to the feeding of the 4,000. And now it's it's not even really a life or death situation. It's not that the waves are are crashing all around them. They just didn't have a lot of food. They only had one loaf. And what did Jesus say? How long, guys? How long do I have to show myself strong in your life before you begin to really trust me? How long do I have to be there for every need you have? For you to believe I can do it. Guys, I'm trying to teach you these spiritual things, and you're worried about the fact that we don't have bread. I just fed 4,000 with seven loaves. You think I'm going to struggle, 13 of us, with one loaf? And it said, because they yet not remembered. The songwriter said this. The songwriter said, looking back through the years, the heartaches and tears, my Lord has never once let me down. Though I don't understand, still I trust in his plan, for he said that his grace would abound. And the chorus says, there's no need to doubt him now. He'll make a way somehow. Safely this far, Jesus has brought me. No need to doubt him now. Second verse says, child of God, have no fear, though your path seems unclear. Someday God's plan will unfold. Think about this. He has never, never failed. He has always prevailed. The Lord is still in control. No need to doubt him now. No need to doubt him now. He'll make a way somehow. Safely, this far, Jesus has brought me. No need to doubt him now. What are you walking through today? You forgot, you you failed to consider the miracle of the loaves. It's caused your heart to get hardened. the, The miracle of Christ coming toward you is really scary instead of exciting. You're looking for the bad instead of looking for the good. Your heart is hardened because we fail to remember Oh, I believe what Paul said, a good Christian needs a bad memory, but a good Christian also needs a good memory. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.